Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Do we see uh, dark clouds ahead? I think we might. The start of a of maybe an, another uh, <laughs> another downspell. But the uh, the Sharks lose tonight, four to nothing against the Avalanche, and we're coming right at you after this. Hey everybody, this is John Scott, former Sharks All-Star MVP, and you are listening to another Teal Town USA podcast. But first, if you want to be a part of the show, please follow us on all of the social media pages at Teal Town USA. Of course, that's on the Twitter machine, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Reddit, and the Discord where all the shenanigans happen. Um... And, of course, hit us up on the website, tealtownusa.com. Oh, boy. It's, uh, it's a therapy edition, and uh, I'm uh, really, really happy to bring in Al Martinet. Al, how are you doing? How are we feeling? Uh, about the same for you. Um, rough, rough game all around. Um you know, coming off the 6-2 win, you would have thought that would have carried over into something for tonight's game. But, um, you know, just a rough game all around, no consistency, but um, we'll definitely get into that. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. And let's just jump right into it, shall we? Uh, the, start, the Sharks uh, hold the avalanche uh, to a nothing-nothing score in that first period. And I mean, if we just go over to the shots on goal here, um, I mean, it was pretty evenly matched 10 9 uh, in favor of Colorado. But I just thought that the Sharks played a really good game. I liked their contain. And, uh, you know, the defensive effort, I think, was there in that first period. What did you see, Al? Up until, I mean, up until like the halfway of the second period, the Sharks played smart, kept the Colorado Avalanche from, you know, into their transition game and kept McKinnon off the board. Um, you know, most of the shots were away from Jones or far away, and they were pretty easy save opportunities. Um, and I thought the sh- shots that the Sharks got were pretty decent. Like, it was pretty back-and-forth game. Could have gone either way, but, um, you know, as long as you handle their speed, I think you can handle the Avalanche. But when you start turning over the puck, that's the issue. Yeah, no, I I totally agree there. And and the structure, I think, was pretty good in that first period. I thought there wasn't a lot of um, bad mistakes in the neutral zone, although there were a few here and there. And yeah, I uh, I just felt like it was kind of, Coyotes-esque in a way where it was kind of hard to watch that first period just because they didn't seem to really get a lot of back and forth play it was more like you know the Sharks would be down in their end for you know a couple minutes and then Colorado would come back and uh, you know the the uh, McKinnon line would would hem you know Couture's line in and Martin Jones made some some pretty good saves but but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. It just it just seemed like they were clogged in the middle tonight, and I liked that from a perspective of preventing, you know, Nathan McKinnon 
to score, but the Sharks also have to do a little bit better job for checking, I think, and, and puck retrievals. I don't know. That was, to me, where they could have maybe stepped it up a little bit. It, as long as you control the neutral zone, that helps stop the breakouts, that helps control um, a lot of their speed. And I really do focus on the speed for the Avalanche because all four lines have it. Um, they can be physical at times, too. They are a dangerous team. They are an easy Stanley Cup favorites for that reason. Um, it's Their only major flaw is their goaltending. And Grubauer is honestly pretty streaky. Like Again, he's he was really good tonight, but like there's times when he can be bottom of the barrel, not even a starter on a hockey team. Um, so that's their main weakness. Um, no, but, I, I, but I tend to agree. And and uh, we want to thank Darius uh, for the Super Chat donation. Uh, yeah, that's the five-minute major. We'll get there. But, um, you know, in that, in that first period, I think we're just kind of going through how it was – you know just just a slog you know it was just a slog and I think that that was the Sharks game plan because quite frankly I think going into this you you had to figure that Colorado would be upset about how they played on uh, on Monday night so you know that you figured they would come out and really push strong and I like the fact that the Sharks were were defensively okay and and I saw some other good signs too I mean I saw Eric Carlson doing some pirouettes um you know I saw him moving the puck a little bit better um you know and and it it ends up showing up on the stats tonight you know he's a he's not a negative you know he doesn't have a minus next to his name shots on goal too you know, and, and he's, of course, logging 22 minutes of ice time. So if you're logging 22 minutes of ice time and you're you're a net, you know, a net even, that's pretty good. So, yeah, Burns <sighs> is, was a minus three tonight. Couture was a minus three tonight. Um, yeah. So uh, not a great showing for those two. Um, Burns can, you know, put up a minus four and then a plus four the following day. He's going to be really consistent. But. Um, you know, the thing I get back to with the Sharks is this is the seventh game in a row where they've lost the faceoff percentage every single time. And yeah, that's kind of just been the way this season is. Yeah, no, I think I, I think going into the season, I questioned the center depth of this team. I think we kind of all question the center depth of the team. Um, but really, I mean, without hurdle, you can just see how tough it is for this team to to win a, a win a face off and let alone you know drive play um it, it just seems like every time that they take a face off they lose momentum you know every every time they lose it and they have to retreat back out it's just a lost momentum and of course you know going into that second period um yeah. how does how does uh Miko Ratnan get on the board it comes off of a face off and and it's uh, you know Nathan McKinnon and Landeskog getting the assists there in that second period, you know Miko Rantanen with his ninth. But again, it, you're absolutely right, um, Al. It's it's about the faceoffs. It's about controlling the puck behind the net. And I didn't think the Sharks did that tonight, especially I in that second there period. Was a power, I, I think there was a power play halfway through around the nine minute mark that the Sharks had, 
And afterwards, it seemed like all the momentum went straight to the avalanche. And that led to their 2-0 goal lead. Um, that, like it or not, maybe Jones should have had it or not, but it felt that that was kind of the turning point and there was no looking back for this because you kind of sensed that was kind of it. Just the way the shark, the avalanche were moving the puck and the sharks, the shot opportunities for the sharks were just not there tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that the way that they were playing, they were kind of more focused, laser focused on the defensive side of the puck. And I, I think that their offense really suffered because of it, because I think that they were in such a prevent Nathan McKinnon, you know, prevent that top line from scoring. They didn't play their game. You know what I mean? They, they didn't play that, that speedy transitional game. So I don't know if yeah. that was the, I don't know if that was the game plan because, you know, Bugner's thinking, okay, you know, Colorado's not going to open it up two games in a row. Or if that was Colorado saying, hey, we, we want to lock them down because they seem like they can skate with us for the most part. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I going in, I kind of expected a similar result to what we got tonight. Um, I mean, sh- scoring six goals back-to-back nights is well above the average uh, for this team this whole season. We weren't going to, we aren't, I think we were bottom of the barrel for like ranked 24th, 23rd for goals against goals per game this season. Um, That's kind of what I kind of expected, even with hurdle out. um, That's, you're just looking for offense from your young forwards or even some of your veterans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, where is, you know, I, I, I wonder, this is like a, a missing in action, you know, kind of like Timo Meyer moment again. And I think today, to me, at least the offensive players that I wish I would have seen more from, I, I saw LeBanc, you know, given a damn in the third period, but it seemed like in that <laughs> first period, he was a little sleepy and, and, um, you know, I, I felt the same way about Timo's game where it was like, okay, you know, he, he's trying to forecheck, but he's not putting his, his body into it, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like going through the motions. And, and so, yeah, there was just inconsistency across the forward lines tonight. Um, you know, the fourth line didn't really do much for me. Um, you know, Joachim Blickfield and, and uh, Alexander True um, on that fourth line. And, and I didn't, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't unhappy with their with their defensive effort, but again, it's like you, you want to at least, if you're a fourth line, carry some momentum into your next lines. And I just felt that the whole night tonight, yeah. the Sharks could never could never really get it in gear. Yeah, you're right. Um, bad faceoff percentage, lack of a consistent power play, um, and just a lack of offensive presence um, in Grubauer zone. Yeah, they had offensive chances. A couple of pucks hit the, the you know hit the post a couple of times, but it was just Jones had to deal with a lot tonight. And sometimes he bailed them out. Sometimes you can kind of sense that he was kind of uh, lacking energy. Um, 
And I'm not really too sure there's anyone else but Jones. Uh, Dubnik might get a couple of starts, and there might be a sense of a competition, but it's really his job, um, especially after that 7-6 loss. Um, he had a shot, but... It's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at that, sec- on the, that, that goal in the second period, Al, and I mean... Okay, so they cycle it behind the net. It comes in, and it just looks like they get the the quick wrister off. I don't think it looked like a full slap shot. It was it was kind of like a like a Brent Burns like kind. No, it was it was a slap shot. It was a slap shot, yeah. and and so it was it was pulled behind the net. It you know it goes out to that to that stationary post on the left hand side over by the face off dot, and then goes into the one timer. And I think for me, Jones is really, he's got, he's, he's contending with a guy kind of going right in front of him. So I'm wondering, where's the defender? And that would be, looks like Logan. It's like, why is Logan not plastered to Miko Rantanen? You know, it's, it, it, and so maybe tonight it wasn't about the defenseman's mistakes, but maybe it was the forwards and, and maybe they just didn't track well tonight. I, I don't know. But on that first goal, yeah, I can see what you mean with, with wanting Martin Jones to, to kind of front that puck a little bit better and, and get set a little bit quicker because it looked like they were catching yeah. him napping. Yeah. Especially on that first goal. Um, and not a strong recovery. You could have seen him a little bit better positioned, of course. But um, that glove hand side um, just tends to be an issue. Yeah, um, that also glove. high blocker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the high blocker side, uh, top left corner. Uh, a lot of goal scorers tend to aim for that spot. Um, so either people have figured out that if you pass it left or right, he's just not going to shuffle that yeah. far to the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I see that in him too. And I mean, it just kind of, you know, we can illustrate that with the number of posts that have been hitting this year and especially the crossbars. It seems like everybody's got the book on Jonesy where it's just like, you got to go high on him. You can go high glove. He's vulnerable there and you can go high blocker. And yeah. And, and, and so that's kind of the, the book is out on him. And so, you know, going into that third period, you're like, okay, you know, I hope that the Sharks can bring something here. You know, let's see if they have some bite back. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they just still yeah. don't have any jam. And then we get kind of get to kind of get to the to the call du jour. But um, let's let's go over the first goal first before we get into the major because I have my I have my. You talk about the about first goal this. in the. In the third period, or the yeah, first, first goal third, in general? you know, first goal in the third period. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is just, I just see a team drained um, after a lot of. I think this was after two consistent power plays um, from the Avalanche. Just this just looks like poor rebound control and a lack of defensive presence. Yeah. Um, uh, Burns could have been a little bit of better position, but, um, you know, yeah, I, bet, I mean, I mean, that's not yeah. only that though, Al, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that nobody's screening Jones. There's nobody in front of him. Yeah. And, and, and 
it just it, it goes in low glove. Like as a goaltender, that's if you can't get low glove, that there's something really wrong there. You know, I feel like his we're, we're yeah. questioning his fundamentals again, and this was this was the issue last year. It was okay. We'll give him a year with Nabby. You know, maybe Nabby can can work on his fundamentals a little bit more. You know, work on on a little bit more of the aggressiveness, a little bit more of the of the of the playing big. And 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 the thing is, to me, Martin Jones looks like he's playing small again. And he goes through this really weird curve of playing like the six four goaltender he is, and then playing like you know a five eleven yeah. goaltender where he kind of just. Yeah kind of hunches his back over and and that's what I'm seeing I'm seeing this arched back where it's almost at like a 70 degree angle instead of a perfect upright 90 degree angle which you know will give the the shooter a little bit less net to see but yet he's not he's not doing that and and he's already down in the butterfly I mean at this point the puck is at the point and he's trying to you, you, you got to commit to either the stand-up or the or the butterfly quicker than he is. It just seems like his reactions are, are just not good again, and it's, it's on the fundamentals. When I would say this also applies to every goaltender, but when Jones loses his confidence in the net, um, he doesn't play like a starting goaltender. He plays like someone who's more like a backup, more like someone who, like you said, not playing big in net, not you know chasing angles. You know, that's kind of like the bigger issue is when he loses confidence. Um, this how this more or less applies to both the goals in the fourth, third period. Um, when he, I'll just kind of get to the the fourth goal and Ranton scored, you know, he just kind of scoots over and not really hurries back. And Ranton just kind of dumps the puck into the net. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we got a We got another take here from uh, from the chat. And I think that this is. This is good. I, I like the the constructive feedback, and I like the fan interaction. So this is perfect here. It's, uh, you know, Eric, you're completely off tonight. Um, it's not as if uh, you're talking about as Jones is not good um, enough and was not competitive enough. If you can't win, if you don't score, had the Sharks lost by one or two, then nitpick. Mm. But I think, that, I think that the point here, though, is that there are days where he plays differently. There are days where he fronts the puck differently and is and and I think it goes to confidence, Al. I think you're completely right. When he's confident, he plays like a bigger player. And I think that yeah. that's what we're trying to get at here. Also, I will say though that the last three years, the def the defense in front of him has played a lot worse. Um that's not on Eric Carlson. That is just, you know, the defense has broken down, allowed rebound control, rebounds to just stay in the zone longer, um, even after he's made great saves. Um, you know, there has to be something that's, you know, along the lines of the forwards getting back. But when Jones is good, he controls his rebounds. Um he knows where he wants to be and he's controlling all three phases. There are some phases right now that he's just not so great on right now. And rebound control has been an issue all season. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're on to something there with the rebound control. I mean, you're you're talking about this power play goal where where you know Jones is down. He's our, he's in the butterfly. He, he looks like he's got Landeskog, and and what ends up happening is he he, he can't he can't freeze the puck. He he just you know doesn't swipe at it. Doesn't really do much to to try and and freeze that puck and. You know, maybe you could say Ferraro needs to move move him out of the net, um, you know, a little bit quicker, or or maybe Gambrell needs to play a little bit harder on that. But yeah, I just uh, there are some concerning signs. I don't think that that was the most concerning. I think the the most concerning is just the lack of of offensive um, zone time tonight. I mean, when Logan Couture is, yeah. you know, pretty much defending all night. You know that that's not a good that's not a good sign because that's your top line and that means your top line is getting dominated. Um, you know, and, I mean, this and, was a I want to say it was a bad night, but this was an off night for McKinnon. If we're talking about have him having a superstar night, this is a lopsided affair. Yeah, no, and 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 to me, man, I, I'm Team Nate McKinnon all the way. I, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, Connor McJesus is Connor McJesus, but. I think the burners on on Nathan McKinnon are just awesome, yeah. and and when that kid is on, I think he's the best player in the world. So you know, kudos to him. But uh, yeah, he's having an off night, and yet, <laughs> you know, they they torch him. You know, and and so it it's it's concerning. It's concerning, and and I think the concerning part is is that. When the team plays on instinct and when it plays on when it plays like it's having fun, they they seem to play a lot better. But when they start overthinking it and when they start to really kind of bear down and and when things aren't going right for them, they tend to shell up, you know, and, and I think that we saw that kind of prevalent, you know, prevalent after that second goal for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that it's all about the, the mental fortitude of this team. And, and quite frankly, I question that at times. So to, I guess I'll just kind of, the last thing I'll say about the second period is that the second period has just been the enemy for the Sharks all season. And they've only won the second period two times all year. Like they're two for 11 all this season that's that's the story right now and right now i would say if you're the sharks if you're a player on the team and that second period rolls around you're just not sure if you're going to hold on to that lead um that's just nothing about the line mates nothing about the defensemen that's just karma on the ice like just the positive vibes you're you're thinking about and i have to wonder if that's playing something right now for the sharks yeah i i think that that's really a valid point i i think that i've had issues with their second period uh, with their um shift lengths you know when they are are really on top of their game and, and especially when I'm, I'm thinking of the 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 first colorado game you know the game the other night and then in the st louis game as well they were taking yeah. short shifts 
you know, they were getting back to their to their boards and, and maybe being on the ice for 45, 50 seconds. But when you see the team, you know, a minute and 20, minute and 40, minute and 20, minute and 30, it's yeah. it, it, it's a recipe for disaster. It really, really is. And when you when you see a guy like, you know, Kevin LeBanc dogging it or, or you see um maybe a, a, Gil, a Dylan Gambrell, you know, not getting back to the to the um, bench quick enough or or hell. I mean, Burns is, is guilty of it, too. And and when they don't change more frequently in that second period, I've noticed that teams really pick up on that. The Sharks are paying Kevin LeBank to be a top six forward, and um, there's no way he's a top six forward this, this year. Just the performance and what he brings to the ice, there's no way he's a top six forward. Um, maybe he might be a top, maybe a third liner, but this season, been kind of disappointed for him. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. And, oh boy, I I don't know really where where we can go from there in the, in those second periods and and again it's it's going to come down to the team being disciplined and and the team you know really holding each other accountable and right now I see a team that is timid um, at times you know it can it can really shell up and I don't know if that's a symptom of the coaching or if that's a symptom of the locker room or if it's both but all I can tell you is is that there have only been a few select times that I've really seen seen the team have fun and and really like are smiling with each other and and really just in in looking like they are wanting to be there tonight yeah. was one of those nights where they just didn't have it and and it could re- and it just really shows it it shows on the um you know it shows on the scoreboard tonight and uh you know the thank you for i think it's i think it's aj man in the teal town account tonight so thanks aj parade and dater of colorado hockey now uh early word on mckinnon seems to be that he's okay and and i agree um i i yeah not agree but uh i'm glad that he's okay um you know it, it looked a little uh looked a little scary when they were carting him off so i guess let's let's go into that then so uh Joachim blickfield tonight he he takes that uh that match penalty um at 808 uh in the third period and he's going in you know, going into the um, into his bench because he's he's trying to make a change, and Nathan McKinnon is caught with his head down, um, not looking in front of him. Uh, you know, and and kind of in that no man's land. You know, where where you're in the neutral zone, you got your head down, and it's just one puck scurrying by. Uh, you know, away from a guy checking you in the head. But mm-hmm. man, I I saw it as. Blickfield has established a path that he's going on. He doesn't move when he's going towards the the bench. He, he he's got a clear line to the bench. He's he's skating in a in a straight line, and Nate McKinnon kind of is there and is not paying attention, and and they collide. 
is I saw that more as a collide than than a guy trying to finish his check. I mean, what what did you see on it on on it, Al? So whenever you slow things down, it looks far worse. Just that's just the nature of instant replay. And my first reaction when I saw the hit, um, I thought it was just a normal hit and it looked too bad. But when I saw the secondary angle, when you when you see the numbers, it looks like Blimfield is extending his shoulder just a little bit. And if anything, that's why he got ejected. And maybe that's why McKinnon got a little bit concussed. Um, but I don't think – I think it was right to throw him out of the game for that, but not any suspension that's going to cost him – next game or the following games um well that's the thing though they they assessed him a match right so it's gonna be you know it it's going to be looked at for more supplemental discipline and it it has to be it's an automatic review with a match penalty sure and the reason the, the the problem that i have with it is that they call it a match and, and that means it's intent to injure. That means that they've clearly established motive here that Blickfield went out of his way to injure the player. Now, again, I see it as Blickfield traveling in a straight line and and not changing his his trajectory at all. And you've got a, a mid-ice collision. Now, it's definitely head contact for sure. I am not making the argument that there was not head contact there. Yeah. But I would have called the two-minute incidental head contact, um, uh, you know, uh, two-minute head – sorry, I, I just got a text message from, from Puck Guy and he threw me off – threw the mojo off. Um, <laughs> but, I, again, I Is saw it as the well, incidental – Hey, well, no. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, I, I, again, I I would have erred on the, I, I would have erred on the incidental head contact, the two minuter, um, uh, because I don't see intent to injure on that play. But if somebody in the chat wants to wants to say you know on the otherwise, because I mean you know we're definitely open to to wanting to hear from you guys and gals. So- was it yeah, 3-0 go ahead, or was it four or was it 2-0 at the time? 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. All right. Uh, cuz my other thought was is that they threw him out because a he must have brought, broken one of the unwritten rules is going after one of your star players. Um and McKinnon is one of the star players for the Avalanche and no offense to Blumfield He's working his way up. He's a maybe he might be a third or fourth stringer, but he's trying to make make some waves in the locker room. And so Randy and Hedekin kind of like pointed out that a couple of the Avs players were mad at Blumfield. So I'm assuming that was kind of one of the things of he might have broken one of the so-called you know unspoken rules. Don't go after your star of the opposing star player or even anyone in that regard uh, during a blowout. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I I can I can see that 
particular point of view they they could have have been like okay you know this is a this is a, a small time kid on a superstar and we, we got to throw the book at the kid because you know you, you can't do that in the third period when you're down to nothing yeah but man I, I, match penalties to me are so difficult because they signal that the player intended to injure right that that to me is the big sticking point of a match is that the refs know for a fact that this was either retaliatory or this was there was uh, beef with each other or uh, you know some extenuating circumstance or, or like a guy chicken wings somebody to really you know get him I, I, again I I don't see it but I'd love to hear from somebody who did see it that way um, and, and tell me why they think it's it's the, the way that it is because I, I just I don't see it at all. Uh, what have you thought of, of the coach's performance this year, just in general? Um, this is actually a question from the chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a chat question. I will... Okay, yeah, this is by Denver Doyle. I'll go ahead and add this up there. Uh, thoughts on Bugner's performance this year? Do you think he is the right coach for this team going into next year? Well, I think it's all going to really depend on what the Sharks' front office is thinking the team is. You know, if they're thinking that this team is somehow better than their record states and somehow better than the, you know, statistics would bear out, um, they're not gonna make a change right because you know they just re-signed Bugner and I think it was a three-year contract extension and to me they, they have their guy now do I agree that he should have been their guy no no I think that there were there were enough coaching candidates that were difference makers out there that they should have at least interviewed right and and that's kind of the problem that I had was it was just they seemed laser focused in on Bob you know from the very beginning and maybe it was you know due to the pandemic and not wanting to you know have to pay somebody you don't know it's the devil you know I guess but yeah. um I don't know man to me this uh, to me Boogie is a good assistant but not I don't think he's creative enough to be a head coach what do you think, Al? There's been a couple of times this season where I felt he's cost the team like one or two points, you know, leaving Marlowe out in an overtime game. Be like, he doesn't have the wheels anymore. Let's just face it about Marlowe. But there's been just a couple of times where I felt that he was outcoached and definitely was a disadvantage for the Sharks. Um, and I feel like he's a. He's a stepping stone for the next coach when the Sharks eventually, hopefully, turn it around. Um, that's kind of where I stand. And I think there's still, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they, they let go to Pierre DeBoer. They don't want to let go of another, another coach. So that would make three coach salaries on the books. So, um, no, actually, so Peter DeBoer came off the books because uh, Vegas picked him up. So, you, you know, they had that whole rule where if, if you get picked up, then you don't have to pay the salary. So so they got out of that. Um, 
so they would only be paying for Bugner if they ended up firing him. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean I don't know. I don't think I don't think that this, that this team is a coach away from doing something special. That's the problem. I think we've all zeroed in on on this as being a, a an issue of construction, not of direction. I mean, unless unless that's changed for you, Al, what do you think on that? I think we're like four years out from even like being contenders again. And that's being optimistic. And every long term decision that was signed in 2017, you can go through the list. Timo, LeBanc and Kane and Eric Carlson. <sighs> Those are going to be exhausting contracts. Um, that's not even considering Jones. So yeah. this is a long-term rebuild, and we have never gone through, or at least the fan base has never gone something like this before. So I mean, I don't. I, I think I think maybe the early years are, are are the closest equivalent to when this team, you know, really struggled mightily, like what we're talking about going through, right? True, but in terms of contract straps, oh, I don't think for... it's I don't think it's ever been this bad as as far as contract no. straps go. You know, yeah. like uh, after after Burns got the whiff of the of the seven year deal, right, and and they they set that precedent and and they got rid of the five year deals, which were always I I thought that those were always the best of both worlds. You you get them for an extended amount of time you get the player um you know under a good cap hit um and and it was just it worked well for both because you know it it if if you if you were 28 and you got that five-year deal you know you're going into 33 that's that's not bad that's not bad and 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 when brent burns um, reset the structure of the team and how they deal contracts, that's when we got the Vlasic contract, right? Mm-hmm. That's when we got, um, I mean, I don't, I think Logan will, will do well through his contract. Uh, I, I don't see him being a problem and I don't see him, um, because there's too many other things that he does uh, around uh, the ice and, and, and not just his offense. So, you know, I think Couture could, could really live up to his contract. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Evander Kane coming in yeah. and get, getting that contract and then it the was next supposed year... to be the Pavelski contract. Like yeah. that was, yeah. Um, but like all the contracts aside, Doug Wilson assumed that he was going to have a certain amount of cap space, you know, this year and the next year, but COVID really did hurt the Sharks in, in a huge financial way. Um, and just tremendously bad timing. Um, because yeah, I think COVID. If, if if the Sharks would have if the Sharks would have had one year later, or actually one year, I would say now they might have gone Eric Carlson at really discount discount price. So yeah, yeah, I you know so so uh, I think AJ again with the with the stat for us and appreciated AJ real quick uh, the Brent Burns contract was eight by eight so yes he was the first of the uh, real kind of restructuring in the way that the sharks um, uh, you know went about adding contracts to the books um, and 
Ah, oh, boy. You by just... the way, he has actually earned that contract. Um, eight by yeah. eight. Um, I, I think. The one... I th- yeah, go ahead. The one contract that, and rightfully so, everyone looks at is probably Velasic. Um, like his game has kind of fallen off. And I love. Well, I, I, love I him, don't but... think. I, I yeah, I I love him too, man. And and we saw him at his peak with with Brawny, right? And and in those yeah. years of you could just throw Vlasic and Braun against Ovechkin or Crosby, and it, you know they would. I mean, you you remember Sidney Crosby, yeah, exactly, being so yeah. just flippant. He's like every time he touches the ice, Vlasic was just shadowing him, and and Team you thought, Canada okay, on you know two teams like this guy was a all star, like, like underrated yeah. all star. No, yeah, no, I mean, Team Canada picked him for a reason, right? They paired him with Drew Doughty for a reason, so. I mean, Vlasic was a great player, and and I think the projection on him was was that, you know, his game could translate well when he got older because it was a lot on stick play, not, uh, you know, he wasn't a physical body checker, so you you figured he'd have a lot of of rubber on the tires, but but boy howdy, I, his skating just does not look like what it used to be, Al. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his skating is not there, but also I just maybe the if his skating is not there, you would have thought that at least with his knowledge of the game, he would at least know. All right, Sidney Crosby's pretty good. I'm gonna skate to this point because he knows his tendencies. At least he's gonna outwit your opponent, and that's just maybe not a thing you get with defensemen. And the better long-term investment. And the way to just grow with the game for a team is to invest with forwards. And that is something Doug Wilson I, I, does not like to do. I think investing, and I'll do you one more, I think it's it's investing in centers. I think, to me, the yeah. most important position on the ice is your center iceman because he's the one that's going to dictate how you play in your own end off of a face-off. He's going to be the one that's going to dictate, okay, can can I um, really distribute the puck? Um, can I you know, score? Can I forecheck? So I think, to me, the best investment is the center. I think the second best investment is a defenseman, but I don't I don't invest more than a five year contract on a defenseman because I, I think that they get a lot of wear and tear. Um, and and especially when night in, night out, you're going behind your net and you're getting four checked on, especially in the West when you've got to be, you know, on your toes because an Anze Kopitar is on your back and a four check you or a Ryan Getzloff's going to, you know, slam you into the boards or, or, you know, what have you. So to me, you don't make as a long term a commitment to a defenseman because of those you know, because of those issues about durability. And then I, I I mean, I was listening to 31 thoughts, the the podcast and and listening to, um, I think it was, uh, I don't remember who exactly it was. I think it was, um, 31 thoughts, but they're, they're just saying that, look, I mean, the long-term play on a goalie is also, you know, kind of dark arts, right? Because they're so inconsistent from year to year. So, 
I, I I mean, I, 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 I don't know. There's been times when Carey Price's contract looked very grim for Montreal, but, but, you know, Montreal rebounded and the team got better and so did Carey Price. So I I just want to kind of leave off and let Doug Wilson playing career. He was a offensive defenseman, um, a hall of fame now, a hall of fame offensive defenseman. Um, and he played against um, a crappy Chicago Black, uh, Chicago Blackhawks team, which often went against the Oilers. You know, they got shredded against that team, and it kind of explains why for most of his big trades, he's often looked at offensive defensemen. Brent Burns, go down the list. Um, you know, it kind of explains his kind of philosophy around trading. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think that he definitely um, has a, a weak spot for the offensive defenseman, um, and, and, and you know consistently has had. Well, I won't say consistently because he got Joe Thornton right. And I think that the Joe Thornton trade got bought him a lot of stock, but he has yet to figure out a true heir to that to that jumbo sized hole. And 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 you know, God bless Logan Kutcher for trying. Uh, you know, and and then you know, you had maybe you thought, okay, Pav's taking the C. You know, he was gonna be you know the transitional leader, yeah. but then of course you don't resign him, and we kind of go through that whole rigmarole, and we could die. You know, we could diverge into that and and take a whole podcast on that. But uh, but uh, you know, for the for the fans listening, for everybody listening, um, we're at twenty likes right now. Let's say if we get to thirty likes. We'll pull out your favorite segment, and so uh, you guys, uh, you guys have your orders. Okay, it is thirty likes, and you get your favorite segment. Okay, back, back to to kind of where we were, we were going here. I think we were kind of finishing up the offensive defenseman talk. We were kind of, uh, you know, AJ uh, putting down mo- Brent Burns, Dan Boyle. Um, yeah, just go down the list. Yeah, and and I I think. The last thing that I want to touch on, uh, again, to me, it's a roster construction issue. I always have said that this team is a center down. It needs another center to complement Hurdle and Couture. Yeah. Um, and, and Dylan Gambrell has shown me flashes of being a good player, but he's just not consistent enough. What do you think, Al, on Dylan Gambrell's play and, and how he's filled in? You know, I think he's been decent, but I think, honestly, I think we've kind of already seen what he's already been, a, you know, top six or no, top three defenseman, um, or a third-line defenseman, excuse me, third-line defenseman where you're barely going to get something from him. Um, Someone you're going to pop in and out, but you're not going to rely on much for. Yeah. Yeah, just it, he's just a guy, you know. Just yeah. he's just a you know, like your if you're if you're a baseball nerd or whatever, where you have a a war status. I would say he's a zero, right? A zero war. If if you know to 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 kind of coin a phrase there, and and so there's just not enough difference makers right now, and I think that that's part of the problem with the offense. I think that that's why they're they're so. 
uh, bipolar when it comes to the offense. On some nights it can can be very good. On some nights it's you know very lackluster. Um, uh, yeah, Dylan Gambrell. It, he's played in seventy six games, but only had fifteen points. A minus eleven. Oof. So um, you know I he's a pitch he's a pitch uh pitch hitter essentially. Yeah. Like, you're not going to expect much. Um, and he's, um, what is he? How old is he? Uh, he's 24. Yeah. Pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this, this is the year, this is the make it or break it. So, um, you know, we, we just hope that he, he figures that out sooner rather than later. But I, I think the, the ship has sailed on, on, um, uh, on the uh, on the Dylan Gambrell uh, frigate there, the SS Gambrell, because uh, you know honestly, I, I just I'm not seeing it from game to game. And and he's a good kid, right? And 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 he's a he's a good college player. You, you can see he's 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 got flashes where he just shows you what a great player he could be. But I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's just the speed. He's still adjusting to it. I, I don't know, but I, he's he's kind of left me wanting more from him. That's um, Felix asking about the youngsters. Uh, Al, what what do you think about the youngsters so far? I mean, um, John Leonard um, coming up. Um, we had we've seen a couple games of True. Um, you know, Balsers. I've liked Balsers' game. I think he's brought a nice little creative. Um, you know, a creative spark yeah. to them. But uh, yeah, what do you for, uh, what, what for are your Leonard and Balser, for Leonard and Balsers, um, the main thing I've kind of looked onwards is, I mean, these are high draft, but these are very very high draft picks. I'm not really expecting much. I'm just kind of looking for if they can create speed of the ice and create offensive chances. They've done that. They really have. Um, I think. They are going to be here for a little while. I expect them to be here, both of those players, Leonard and Balsers, next year. Um, get some experience, see what, how long they're going to be here. But um, they are not building blocks, to be frank. Um, um, what I, I think is more addressing is just the talent issue. Um, Hurdle, I think this is his now third game he's missed because of COVID, uh, or second game. Second or uh, third game he's missed with COVID. I think it's I think it's his third game, yeah. but I, I I tell you what though, and, and it's good that you bring up Hurdle because I think this is my going to be my last point here, and I think we should start to wrap it up soon. Um, unfortunately, we did not get to the thirty, so uh, you don't get your uh, favorite uh, segment piece. But um, oh, there we go. Hi, Al. <laughs> um, so. I am concerned about what we will see when we get hurdle back because COVID does a number on your um, on your lungs and your um, cardiovascular system. And even if you know he's not showing full-on symptoms, I just I am a little concerned about what we're going to see from Tomas Hurdle when we get him back. Um, with athletes that have had COVID and then came back, there seems to be like takes one or two weeks 
um, to get them to be fully 100. Um, so I would hope that the Sharks organization is going to prioritize their health, uh, especially with COVID. Uh, the good news is that if you've been following just the general global health news, it's, it's probably around May where if you hope the government is telling you the truth or not, uh, that most adults are probably can be vaccinated by May. So that probably goes along with athletes, goes along with health professionals. Um, so you have to hope that most athletes are going to get vaccinated pretty soon. But that's just me speculating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also therapeutics now and and stuff. So I think that that hurdles in good hands. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm just concerned that they're. Um, uh, oh, and AJ chiming in. Thanks, uh, AJ. Uh, Bugner said that they're tentatively expecting Hurdle back for games against Anaheim next weekend. Says that he's had headaches but feels okay otherwise. So, you know, like like we said, you know, we're we're keeping him in our thoughts and hopefully he, he doesn't it doesn't touch the lungs because that that crap can really shred the lungs. Um, yeah. And and you know that's so important for a hockey player, especially when you're trying to pump uh, blood into those muscles. So, uh, anyways, Al, um, let me get your final thoughts uh, on tonight's game. What you're thinking uh, coming up? If if you think that the Sharks can stand anything against Vegas, or if we're just in for a, a weekend of pain. But uh, well, yeah, what, where where are you at? Uh, it's the second time I previewed a Vegas matchup before it got canceled because of COVID, but. Um, knock on wood. Right. Um, you know, tonight's game was rough. I think everyone kind of can see that after we talked about it for 40 minutes, but, um, you know, this is going to be a rough season. I would say just coming with low expectations, uh, hope that Jones is going to rebound. I don't expect Dudemit to start by expecting to start the, on the, the sixth. So the following game. Uh, maybe you see something afterwards, maybe. But long story short, it's going to be a rough one. Vegas is very, very tough. They have three lines of solid, solid playmakers on all four, all fronts. And uh, they are easy cup favorites. And we'll say, though, the Sharks have played very competitively. I'm just going to put it out there for the last four games. Um you know, St. Louis, Colorado, Minnesota, these are all been tough games. So, yeah. so you can find me on Twitter at Al Martin. I'm always talking hockey. I'm always talking, um, basketball, um, video then. games, right? Cool. You, you're, you're doing the yeah. stuff on Twitch. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that yeah. that's awesome. Cause I think we share the same love there of the, of the video games, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm also, yeah, of the video games. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested to see what the response is on March or so. This is the first time we get to see the Sharks, um, you know, take on the Knights after the Shimek hit. Um, I, I want to see some piss and vinegar in their game, um, you know, and I, I, I mean, I want them to play physical. I don't want them to go out of their way. You know, to to make hits because that seems like that's Vegas's game to get you out of position and then they really screw you up in the in the slot. Um, so I want them to have a controlled level of, of aggression, but I want to see the aggression there. Um, I, you know, you got to keep it low because I think that if they go into a track meet again, they're going to get burnt. 
Um, so I expect, you know, two, three, uh, you know, two, one uh, kind of games. And, um, you know, you just hope that they can be on the right side of it. Um, I will Jones, say the Sharping will be uh, top notch against uh, Kane and uh, what's his name? God, Kane and. Um, oh, you're talking names. about Reeves? Yeah, Kane and Reeves will be top notch. Um, there will be some bet. There will be talk about uh, Kane's uh, extensive uh, betting history. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, all right. Well, you can find me uh, at Eric Landy across all the social media garbage. Um, check it out. We've we've got some cool stuff going on. Um, I've also um, hooked up with uh, with another podcast called The Genuine Draft, uh, doing uh, repping the Teal Town name there and uh, talking hockey, and um, really injecting uh, some some uh, fandom there, some Sharks fandom there. So that's pretty cool. Um, but again, yeah. Um, first and foremost, if you miss us. Uh, or you just want to take us with you on the go. Um, catch us on all of the social media platforms and, of course, all of the podcasting platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, uh, the Google Play Store, YouTube, Reddit, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and, of course, at the website at tealtownusa.com. We really appreciate everybody's contributions. Really appreciate the chat, everybody uh, chiming in tonight. Thank you very much, and we will see you after the game in Vegas.